0: Pembrokeshire. There have been 90 more cases of coronavirus reported in the Heweldar Health Board area yesterday and 11 more deaths. Figures released by Public Health Wales reveal a further 50 cases in Carmarthenshire, 17 in Ceredigion and 23 in Pembrokeshire. The total amount of cases reported in Wales since the pandemic began stands at 180,161. In Wales as a whole, 1,161. 172 new cases were reported yesterday. There have been a further 48 coronavirus-related deaths reported in Wales yesterday, bringing the total amount of deaths in Wales since the pandemic began to 4,274. Dr Ellery Davies, Incident Director for the COVID-19 Outbreak Response at Public Health Wales, said the number of positive coronavirus cases remains extremely high in Wales and is a cause for serious concern due to the impact of the on NHS Wales services. All of Wales remains in lockdown. We ask that the public adopts the same mindset for this lockdown as they did in March 2020. We understand that people are fatigued but because the new more infectious variant of coronavirus is circulating across Wales it is vital that we all keep to the lockdown restrictions and do not meet other people. Public Health Wales is working with UK partners to investigate and respond to the new variant of coronavirus identified in Wales. The new variant is easier to spread and the public should remain highly vigilant in measures to prevent transmission including maintaining social distancing regularly hand washing and wearing of face coverings though the new variant is more infectious there is no evidence that it leads to more severe disease if you or a member of your household develop a cough fever or change in sense of taste or smell you must self-isolate immediately and book a free coronavirus test by calling 119 a Clint Irwin driver must pay nearly £350 for not having a registration plate on his car and trailer at Newcastle, Emlyn. Ryan Jack Cole of Clint Irwin was driving on October 8th when there was no registration plate fixed to the rear of the vehicle and trailer. The charge against him was proved under the single justice procedure in his absence at Llenetli Magistrates Court. They fined the 21-year-old £220 along with £90 prosecution costs and a £34 victim. Surcharge. The First Minister confirmed travel corridors will be suspended in Wales to help prevent new mutated strains of coronavirus entering the UK travel corridors will be suspended from today until at least February 18th and possibly longer as all four nations of the UK act together. The changes will mean most people travelling abroad will need to complete a pre-departure test and quarantine for 10 days on their return home to Wales. There will also be tightening of the list of people who are exempt from these requirements. The First Minister said unfortunately we have seen some worrying new strains of coronavirus appear around the world and need to take extra steps to protect people in Wales and the rest of the UK from these new forms of the virus. Suspending travel corridors means that most people who are traveling overseas will now have to complete a pre-departure test and quarantine when they return to Wales to make sure they're not bringing coronavirus home with them. I'm Charlie James and you're up to date on Happy
1: New Year!
2: Well, a very good evening and welcome to Pure West. Save you've right now on the Pure West Radio Facebook page and you are very welcome wherever you are joining us from tonight. And we've got lots to come between now and nine o'clock. We are looking at sledging in cricket. There's always plenty of sledging with these three with me. I think there'll be a bit in this first part of the show. We're going to ask where next for the Wales women's football team after the departure of head coach Jane Ludlow was confirmed at lunchtime. And we're going to ask about some of the great of all time. And from 8.15, our special guest is Steve Wilkins, who as Detective Chief Superintendent led Operation Ottawa. The story of the Pembrokeshire murders, of course, had tragedy at its heart. But Steve led a team that ensured justice for the victims. Tonight we'll talk to him about that incredible investigation, but also about his sporting links to Pembrokeshire. And he's got plenty of stories to tell. In fact, he with one of my colleagues. That will be Bill
3: Khan. He... I think that might be your cue to take over there, Bill.
1: Yeah, I'll take with... over. I can handle it. Ben, When is... you come back to us? Let me know, mate. Yeah, Steve Wilkins played cricket for uh, Pembroke Dock. He came down as a young fella. He played later on for, uh, I think, St Florence and also for Chris Sally where he camped in the third team. Gordon will tell you about his rugby. He's a very good a youth player with Pembroke, Doc and about his uh, halfback partner. Gordon can tell you that later on. And uh, he he really loved his sport in Pembroke. In fact, I know you tell us tonight that one of the things that kept him sane in his tough job
2: was the fact that he could relax with a bit of sport. So it's nice. Yeah, well, listen, I'm hoping my broadband does to t- does actually survive the show because I'm having one or two uh, issues with it this evening. So hopefully it will last until nine o'clock. And just before we get no into our, our in subject, we're man. looking forward to Steve joining us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. There are here. We're looking forward to Steve joining us in a few moments time. Uh, I should just touch with Gordon Thomas as well on the football from yesterday, because Bill was very critical, Gordon, of the Liverpool-Manchester United uh, game. What did you make of that thrilling 0-0 draw at Anfield?
4: It was an excellent result for Man United. They'd take yeah, that yeah. before the uh, final whistle or before the game any day of the week to go to Anfield and have a goalless draw. After finishing in the league last season, I think we were at least 30 points adrift of Liverpool. We're now actually three points ahead at the top of the table. Manchester City are closing in, mind, and looking in great form, to be fair to them. They're just two points uh, behind with a a game in hand. So it was just a routine job for Oli uh, Solskjaer yesterday to get his point and get back to Old Trafford and hopefully beat him in the FA Cup tie this Sunday at Old Trafford.
2: Fraser, I thought one of the stories of the weekend was Joe Roden, another 90 minutes for the mighty Spurs, who I thought were back on form at Sheffield United on on Sunday. He looked
3: very good, didn't he, Ben? You know, he he is a good defender. I think the stats that they've been banding about today, they do so often about his dribbles and his interception, his tackles were very good. But I think you can look deeper than that. It's not all about stats. He looked very comfortable on the ball, didn't he? His distribution from the back. We've seen that at Swansea. You know, we said it when he signed, you know, if he stays injury-free, is the makings of a very, very good premiership player. And I think we saw the first glimpse of that yesterday and we hope he gets more game time. We hope he continues to progress, obviously, because he's a tremendous talent. Yeah, I I think, Fraser, he will be,
2: by the end of the season, he will look a very smart signing from Tottenham um, because I thought he he just acquits himself well. He's got a good manner about him, looks very calm and he's made a very good start to his career in the Premier League, I think. Um, Let's talk cricket, chaps. Let's talk cricket because uh, we've got Steve Wilkins joining us very shortly. And I wanted to talk, obviously, about England's...
3: We'll talk about England's win. I don't know about Ben's broadband's gonna hold up to it at the moment. Yeah. No. I mean, I, I don't know about you boys. Did you watch it this morning? I watched uh, it. it's quite a tough weekend in terms of sleep because of these tests on in Gaul and Brisbane at the moment aren't the uh, time zones aren't conducive. But England Sri Lanka. I thought that might have actually done England a bit of good because I think they were completely in a false position after the first two days. Cavalier baffin from Sri Lanka on the first day. They made yeah, to definitely. work on days three and four, which I think was a much more realistic um reflection, really, of where that team's at. And they had to work hard to get over the line, I think. But I think there's a lot a lot more to do, isn't there? Yeah. I don't
1: know if you like me, phrase I'm hopeless in my work, so I'm mad. At exactly ten past four, I woke up and couldn't go back to sleep. I, could, I was the same. So i got to go downstairs, get a blanket over me, turn the telly on and watch the last minutes, which were quite I, I'm an anti-climax, really, after the night before. Yeah. But England, as you say, some of their players are still not firing on all cylinders. The two opening bats don't seem to know where they are against spin bowling. And how our um, two spin bowlers finished up, I think, with about 14 wickets between them in the match. My God, there was some bad batting from the Sri Lankans to let them get that the number of... Well, we we talked about the reckless...
3: We talked about well, the they, went, Sri Lanka
1: they went gun ho in the first innings and
3: they yeah. that was absolutely
4: mm. ridiculous to be fair to uh, and England was it best and took five wickets well, uh on, on that <clears> on the first innings, but um, and then in the second innings, to be fair to Sri Lanka, they uh, they played a lot better. And you could say that England were poor, but mm. you have to give them credit, to, to be fair. Uh, they they gathered some runs together and made England sort of uh, there wasn't much of a fight in the, to win it because it was only 76 to chase. But uh, they did lose three wickets in the process and it got... Right. An three injury. for 14. Yeah, yeah. I mean, You yeah. say that
3: and, and if Besto had been run out like he should have been uh, at 14 for three just after Root had been run out and had fab yeah. like not intervened as well on, on that fourth yeah. day when every ball looked like a hand grenade. We discussed this on the weekend, <laughs> didn't we, Bill? And, yeah. you know... You could have been looking at a pretty embarrassing situation, but back to uh, back to what Gord touched on in that first innings, I mean, who are we to uh, discredit an international 5 for? But I think Tottenham Bessie's Hall was one of the most well, I'd be honest, mediocre bowling spells mean, I've ever mean, seen to pick up five wickets. Yeah.
1: I don't to be unkind, but I thought I was watching Flannery in seconds, batting.
3: <laughs> it reminded me <laughs> when Flannery had a third spell, let alone a second. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. But in the end, uh, they won, and it's a you know it's a difficult game to win in goal. It's an amazing setting. I was watching; Igrat scored. We're keen bird watchers. There were hundreds of those around the pitch and up on the, the old fort. But uh, you know it's difficult to win in that subcontinent, and for them to win is a, you've got to say in the end it's a good win. And let's focus on the star. What a batting performance by uh, our captain Joe Root. That was absolutely stunning. Yeah, top think- draw, Bill.
3: Yeah. Mm. I think you wonder if he goes underappreciated a bit, Joe Root, doesn't he? Because there has been a few gripes about his captaincy. You know, he's lost two Ashes Test as cap, two Ashes series as captain. To lose a third this year, you'd think it'd be difficult to carry on. Um, but you know, you look at the stats up there. He's not far off Alistair Cook. You know, he's arguably statistically, which we know is in everything in cricket. He's up there with England's greatest ever batsman. You know, and, and yeah. I don't think, don't think anyone has scored more runs than him in the last decade of just Red. No. You know, and he, he doesn't always get the credit he deserves because no. quite often he's maybe fallen short in the nervous 90s, perhaps could have more centuries, but still the runs he's accumulated has been phenomenal.
4: Yeah, he's, on his day, he's, he's probably a, the best stroke player there is. Uh, well, definitely, is the best stroke player in England, offside, onside, he can do anything. He, he is a very talented uh, individual. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the captaincy possibly he's not comfortable at that phrase, in my humble opinion. I don't think, I think so. No. I think if they pass that on to somebody else, we might see a different Joe Root in uh, batting as well. He can concentrate more on that. So uh, that will be interesting to see whether he does uh, hold on yeah. to that.
1: See, I don't agree with that. I think he's done a good job as captain after a shaky start. I'm not, not saying he hasn't done a but... good
4: job. I just feel that it retracts from uh, his playing bill a little bit.
1: Well, I tell you what, God. I look at the the, the stats. If you want to use those, oh he, yeah, yeah, he, he's very likely to catch um, Alex well, he to Cook. He's had a, he's had a fallow period. He will overtake all the others this season, yeah. guaranteed to go second behind Cook. He's still about three and a half thousand runs behind him, but yeah. in the end, um, if you look at it, uh, he's had a fallow period. But all cricketers have that. You look at Coley yeah. this year; he hasn't. Yeah. Anyway, while uh, Ben's away, I think one of the things we'd said we'd have a quick chat about, because I know Fraser's lucky. He's got BT Sport. I can't afford that as a pensioner. India against Australia. I'm missing that so much. But there's a lot of angst in the game. There's a lot... You know, when they appointed Tim Payne, Australia, the idea was he's going to be showing how cricket should be played by Australians, as if. And, uh, you know, you look at the nastiness that's going on there. Fraser, you've been watching it. It's pretty... It's interesting in watching, but it's not the best show in a cricket,
3: it's got very het up, and, and India. You have to credit them; they're injury ravaged, and they're putting in one heck of a fight. And they go into the final day, of the series in Brisbane tomorrow, can still possibly win it. I think holding out for a draw is more likely, and I think they will retain the Border Gavska Trophy then by by virtue of already having it. But um, yeah, it got very fiery in the last Test, Bill. There was some controversial moments. It was a, there was a heat exchange between Payne and Ashwin. Stump mics now, you pick up everything. Mm. Um, and then, of course, there was our old friend Steve Smith, who was seen to go and supposedly shadow batting. On the crease, uh, and the two in your batsman to go in and retake their guard. Yeah, but he's you know. a reformed
1: character, isn't he he's he crazed when he's wrong.
3: When he's <laughs> now. I mean, you, you, you look in that in two ways. Steve Smith, he, he likes to shadow bat; it's one of his tendencies. We see it all the time. Why would you go and shadow bat on the closing minutes of the fifth day of a test match when you're not going to be batting again? I'm not sure. Um, so whether that was innocent or not I would say it was foolish if nothing else to stand on the pitch and do that but I'm interested mm-hmm. to know your thoughts guys on, on where the line was now with sledging because we've heard so much about the Australian cricket culture I personally I've never I've never minded a bit of uh, sledging or mental no. disintegration any sport I'm used to having it that's maybe why whether it be cricket rugby or football you know I think there is a line to, 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 to what you say and how personal you get and whether you say mm-hmm. things which are you know, potentially discriminatory or, or, or what have you. I've never minded maybe, you know, the banter and the goading as such. But, um, yeah. you know, I think Bill makes a point there. Tim Tim Payne was supposedly appointed because he was a statesman of Australian cricket. So to see him now going the way of others before him is, is quite interesting.
1: I think the important thing as well to say is that we see it, Gordon and I go around watching cricket every Saturday in Pemmichael when we've got the cricket. You go, don't we? And yeah, we do, it, Bill. Uh, but you can yeah. see it getting worse there because, again, they ape the behaviour of the, the people they look up to. And some of the comments have become not funny. I mean, there used to be times, I remember one of the Indian players once, I think it might have been, uh, no, it might have been Aravinda Da Silva from Sri Lanka, there plenty to say. And one of the Aussies said, you're nothing but a fat git. And Ara Binder de Silva Silva answered him, yeah, it's all those biscuits and big breakfasts your wife makes for me every time you're away on tour. Now, you know, you say, is that right or is that not right? There's a touch of humour in it. But kids don't want to hear that. You shouldn't let kids hear that. And that's that's what worries me. Stump mics now, you really have got a problem. And, you know, you boys think I'm old-fashioned. But the laws of the game say the captain is responsible for the behaviour of the players. And as soon as... A, a, an umpire says boys stop in now or i'll have to report the captain listen it's interesting but i think we've got to move on because i think so a mole tells me as interesting as you boys are we have got <laughs> a guest waiting so i don't know if he's going to pop up any second now like magic with the technology we have in pure west radio uh, mr wilkins are you there God, can you do can you do we, an impersonation? Unfortunately, I
4: can't impersonate Steve. But why don't we just carry on about the cricket banter? At, at I think oh, here he oh, is yes, here Mr. Wilkins.
1: Is. Now, Steve Wilkins, can you hear me? I can hear you, Bill Kahn. Oh, you're looking good. Look at that hair. i killed kill for that hair when you freeze.
3: I thought he looked better on the television, to be honest, yeah. Bill. But that's if I hey, hearing. Steve,
1: thanks for joining us. It's lovely to no have you Ben Field has gone absent without leaving Cheltenham. you notice that you're an English guy. The Welsh broadband is perfect in all this bad weather. English, useless. Steve, it's lovely <laughs> to have you on. We've had some nice chats the last week, and uh, we're chuffed that you've come on today. First of all, you never expected, I'm sure, to have the celebrity status So whether you like it or not. You've got... There've been huge compliments, not only about the actual, um, uh, what do you, whatever you call it, the dr- docudrama, drama, but everyone is saying, "What a wonderful character you were in that." Are, are you finding it hard to come to terms with all of us? Or do you love it? I suspect the latter. Well,
5: Righty, Bill. It's uh, it's something you don't you don't envisage is going to uh, to happen. You know, in in two thousand and six, when when obviously we started the investigation, as you know. Um, you're, you're not planning at some stage that um, Luke Evans will be strutting his stuff and <laughs> playing you. Um, you're better lucky and,
4: than him, Steve.
5: <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's. Um, I give him twenty odd years. That's the thing. Yeah. So you don't, you don't envisage it, it, it. Bill And um, obviously, you know, everybody likes it when uh, people are, are complimentary about them. I can promise you, in 33 years of policing, there's people who've been less than complimentary. Yeah um, but at the end of the day for me it's um you know the, the senior investigating officer you're the one that gets the accolades when it goes right and and you carry the can if it goes wrong but you know the investigation that you're on about is uh, was was an, an absolute team effort and and I was blessed uh, with having the finest team that uh, you know, that we could put together you know they were all totally dedicated uh, Lynn harris my detective chief inspector mm. Lynn johnson know, these are guys which, um, for six years, they 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 lived and breathed that investigation, and the contribution was quite extraordinary. So yes, it's it's nice to get the accolades. It's nice that people recognise that we did it with with sensitivity and sympathy, um, but it is it's still strange to uh, to, to carry bill.
1: I've been very remiss. I've been thrust into this because Ben's gone AWOL. I didn't introduce our, our co-pundits as well. Two stars of local sport who you might or might not know because you've been away a little while. Gordon Thomas is on uh, the side there. The one with looking very cool, he's looking very chiseled because he's on a strict diet and doing lots of running. And Gordon Gordon played rugby to a very high standard. So, God, you know, you've seen Steve. O. And the other one is... Um Fraser Watson, who's a, a ex rugby player. No oh might still play the odd one, but uh, he's no,
3: my... use the word ex now, Ben. Uh,
1: <laughs> a coastal path runner. And it likes to take on sort of crazy challenges. So, boys, over to you. do you have something you want to ask, Mister Williams? Yeah, I, Steve, I just
4: want to go back to your sporting days and your younger days. I, I believe you were a, a, a very good scrumaf in your youth days with Pembroke Dock Quins. Uh, I know that you made the county youth side and you played alongside uh, Peter Morgan. And I was talking to Morgan the other day, and he was telling me that you actually carried him through the youth games. Is it? Is that true? <laughs>
5: <laughs> oh, good, Evans. Good. I'd like to say I'd like to say yes, but I think it was one of those ones where where he had to have a fishing net to catch some of his passes. at times, he was what uh, you know as you know is that uh, what what a gifted uh, player and what a thoroughly nice guy as well. Yeah, I mean that my sport has always been a massive part of my uh, my life and still is. You know, I I just turned off the Arsenal Newcastle game just before your game on, um, but certainly uh, growing up in Pembrokeshire, uh, playing for the Quins. Uh, in the you know the height of uh, yeah Boswell and, and Lenny and Roy Skerfield, God rest his soul, a lovely guy who's unfortunately no yeah. longer with yeah um and they were just great characters and uh, obviously it was the old Pembrokeshire leagues then uh, so you know local derbies between the Quins and Pembroke is that you know the towns used to turn out and painful for blood on their side and that was my that was my debut first team debut was the was in the uh, was in the local derby uh, but no it's um, great characters. Great memories, and as you say, I was lucky enough then to play scrum half with the with the county youth. Uh, the and out half was Peter Morgan. Uh, you know, was the most gifted player I ever played with. Number eight yeah. was Guy Kirk Kirky and uh, David Olsen, yeah. one of the wing forwards. And uh, great, you know, great great players and great characters as well. Yeah. Do
4: you, do you keep in touch with any of those lads now, or is it just something that you?
5: <laughs> it's just a fading memory. Well, no, it's uh, you know, not, not I. I mean, I bump into Kirky now and again, and and you know, we always uh, have, have a laugh and joke about uh, you know when we we could you know sometimes you could play play in the morning, play in the afternoon. Now I have trouble tying your laces now, but um, you know, and Dave is a good friend of mine, and it's only because I moved away, but yeah. uh, I have a lot of contact with uh, David socially, and uh, you know, but great great guys, and the same with the with the Quins as well. Hayden Williams, who was you know one of my best friends, and and Billy Horn. Then obviously, yeah, you know, yeah. She's yeah, Steve Constable in Gwent, uh, fabulous, fabulous guys, and, and and great, great characters as well.
1: Steve, we're joined now by our so-called leader, all the way from Channel. But before Ben comes on, and please, have you got anything you want to ask Steve? Yeah, just
3: just cut a kind of quick thing, Steve, on a, on a more serious note. Actually, obviously, um, goes without saying, you and your team would have been under tremendous pressure during that investigation, up to uh, however you want to. Uh, To describe it. And I gather you played sport throughout your time working on that investigation. Did you find it easy to differentiate between the two? Could you go to sport with a clear head? You know, obviously you're under tremendous pressure, which we all saw in the documentary, especially as the parole date drew near. Were you able to play and perform uh,
5: and and do so without the the distraction weighing on you? Well, I, I mean, it's a great question, Fraser. And to be honest, that was my escape is right. that, um, particularly in my, in my cricketing time, and uh, I'm also into fly fishing as well, and, and I can honestly say that when I was on the sporting field, it was just me and what was happening on, on the field, and, and, and it, was, uh, it was probably a big saviour for me because, unfortunately, some of my team um, who, who, who didn't really have that sort of uh, uh, way to escape, uh, they suffered quite badly after investigation with post-traumatic stress, as I, I, I did, but didn't actually realise it but i think you know being being on the cricket pitch and um you know being able to to concentrate and and to just enjoy what was going on around you yeah it was uh, for, for me it was it was it was, uh, it was a savior in the end was the ability to yeah. play sport and totally escape and finally, we just actually touched on sledging
3: in sport. You know, as you obviously your name was out there nationally, there was no, there was no escaping that you were doing bulletins and I news making appeals on stuff. Did you did you get any sledging or any kind of comments to, to try and put you off within sport regarding what was going on?
5: Uh, do you know what I, I, I didn't? And that, that's really gone through my, my my policing career. I've I've always strongly believed in playing sport in the place where you live. Because straight away you you walk into a changing room you know fifteen or eleven people mm. that you didn't know before um, and I, you know particularly when I worked in the north in northwest of England uh, Winsford which was a big Merseyside overspill um, and I played sport there they, the teams we played against knew that I was a I was a police officer I can honestly say it was never ever. Brought onto the pitch, which was you know, great. Yeah, good. Even, good. Yeah. even yeah. people, had, you know, there was one individual, I, I sent him to prison twice, once for two years and one for four years. And um, we actually, at the end, we became good th- friends through sport. He became a book <laughs> and, Um Yeah, and it was, um, but it never, ever came onto the sporting field. Ne- ne- no, never at all. Good. good. Listen, Steve, we got Ben Stone back with us. Now, Ben, it's nice to have you. You've
1: been not missed <laughs> yeah. at all but it's Thank nice you, to have Bill. you back with us, that's okay and then you want to jump in can yeah. I just tell you though, Gordon was saying he won't mind me saying this Steve you yeah. say about him being involved in sport in his youth he had when he came to Pembroke, Dock, Wins he had the most beautiful mullet hairstyle you know <laughs> you see that we old stand bowls and and he was more concerned in cricket and in rugby in keeping that hair nice and ready for Saturday night suppose <laughs> than most people I know. Is that fair, Absolutely. To say
5: that, Stephen? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I'm a caved club in the dock. Brilliant, <laughs> yeah. Steve, My
2: my mantra on this show is never to take hair advice from Bill Khan, but I thought I thought you I thought you took that well. And um, Bill, thank you for yeah, thank you for saving the day there. My my internet um, modem has just been chucked through the window about five times, so uh, hopefully that will now uh, hold up. And it is it's brilliant to have you on the show Stephen, and the guys um doing a great job chatting to you i just i think you you may well have covered this whilst i was having my uh, technology problems but um from your side and we'll come back to the sport in a sec but from from your side how has it been this last week or so um as as the the story has been told on national tv
5: and and so many people have watched it what what was that like for you it's been uh i mean the phone's been been mad as you can imagine there's both emails uh, you know a lot of, a lot of, of people who i'd lost touch with over the years've got back in touch with, which has been been great you know some 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 people that i've I was professionally involved with or sportingly involved with um, and I, I think the my over sort of overwhelming view is that um, it 's all been very supportive and i think I think people have been able to see that when we embarked on on the on on the project so to speak, I never intended to write a book it was only because um, I was contacted by a number of writers who were, who were intent on doing so uh, and then speaking with the, the families and the, the, uh, the families of the victims. They, they said if it's going to be done, Steve, we'd rather you do it because they knew I, I'd t- treat it with sensitivity mm. and you'll, you won't find any of the personal relationships I built up with those or the conversations and it was the same in the making of the drama is that um, uh, Mark Evans and Ed Taflin who were the, the producers and directors they got it. They understood the sensitivity. They understood there were still people who were scarred by this. And the overwhelming feedback I've had back is people saying this should be the benchmark and how it's actually done because there's no glorification. There's no <laughs> gruesome scenes. There doesn't need to be. You know, it's about telling a story of uh, a very evil man and, and, and how he ruined a number of lives.
1: Yeah, uh, Steve, can I ask you, I know when you came to this county, all, you know, all joking aside, you came into into clubs that had very strong characters as leaders. Premier Doc Quins, there were a few mm-hmm. down the Quins. You mentioned some of the people there, and in Chriselli again, very strong people who made sure that things were done the right way as a team. And I think that in, influenced you. I remember you telling me that had had a big part in how you ran your police departments because you wanted to work pe- people not for you but with you. Do you do you think that played a big part?
5: Very much so. There is there is real parallels between sport and and leading an investigation team. Bill and um, i you know I've I've been, always been a great believer is that um, if you can if, you, if people go to work and they know what they're doing, why they're doing it, how they're contributing, and then they go home and say, I had fun as well. Is that you get the best out of them? And, and my, my view has always been, my role as the senior investigator is to create the opportunities for people to be at the best and you get the best out of them. And certainly in relation to, to leadership is, it, it's, it's about maintaining that focus, about um, maintaining that commitment by, by leading by example. And, you know, I've been influenced by, as you say, many very sporting captains. Um, my, my, my all-time hero is, is, uh, is Nelson. And if you look back, look at Nelson as a modern day leader, how he looked after his people, made sure that they were trained properly, that they were fed properly, that they had the the proper medical support, they were paid, and they knew what they were doing. Um, A lot of that carries over, I think, to to modern day leadership. So very much sport has been a massive influence on how I would lead a team or manage a team. Uh, Yeah, good. Uh, I... Did
1: notice you'd said Nelson as your hero? I thought for a minute here he goes. You're gonna just tell the boys who was the 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 good cricket as you came across in Pembroke Dock.
5: Oh good heavens! (laughs) (laughs) Memory's memory's not that good, Bill. Though it's um, that was was my first real senior cricket, and then you know to Pembroke Dock, and uh, obviously you you were the vice captain, and Terry Harvey was the captain. You know big characters like you know uh, Martin or Frank Harris, Maurice Leyland, who used to produce Test match standard bitches. All the time. It is, really. and, um, and they were it great is, times. They were great times. And, you know, I think as a young man, and, and you know, Bill, I was a wild young man. It was, um, you know, being around adults and people like yourself, it, 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 it sort of it, it kept you in check, but also, I think, influenced how you would behave as you, as you, as you went on in later life. And uh, Steve-, Steve, I, I just on, wanted
4: to go on, talking about the cricket front. Bill's very interested in teas around
5: the county. Which was your favourite? <laughs> oh, Crikey, <laughs> favourite teas. I will tell you what, Chriselli used to take some beating. Yeah, comes Chriselli up often. Used to, Chriselli <laughs> used to take some, some some beating. Yeah, some fabulous cakes there. But uh, yeah, um, but it's you know you, you you guys have all been used to playing sport around uh, Pembrokeshire, and uh, I, I think we were, you know, it was a great privilege to to play in Pembrokeshire, and you know you could go anywhere in the county and you knew people. You could have a laugh with them. When they went onto the pitch, they were fearsome uh, in, in, you know, as, as, as opponents. But, um, you know, friendships which then last then for, for many, many years after. I, mm-hmm. I remember my first game with the Queens playing Pembroke. Uh, first time I went to, to, to pass the ball from, from a base of a, of a rook. And the next thing is I get the ball kicked out of my hand, it nearly breaks my fingers And I just see this big smiling face of Morgie Lewis just looking at me. (laughs) (laughs) And then Morgie, unfortunately, no longer with us, but uh, him and I became very good friends and spent many... Time so having a pint in in St
2: Florence. Steve, you, I think it's clear in, in your comments tonight and, and comments, uh, obviously, since the, the programme went out on ITV, just how much you, you love Pembrokeshire. And, and I think sport is such a big part of, of life in Pembrokeshire. You've you played cricket, rugby and, yeah. and football. Which one gave you your your greatest pleasure? And how important do you think sport is to the county of Pembrokeshire in the sense
5: of community? Well, I think probably the one, because I was able to play it longer, and, and but also, you know, I, I managed to to be on the same same sporting field as as my son George um, was was probably cricket, and and certainly um, even though at that stage is that my 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 powers were then on the wane, and um, playing the, with the third team at Cresseli, which was you know a couple of older guys, but mainly we were bringing on the juniors under 13s and 15s. I just got immense immense pleasure from that. Um, it was fabulous because you could you know, big characters like like Spongy Steve Davis, you know, and 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 those sorts of people. Uh, Spam, you know, they were they were just they were just great to share a change room with them, but also very good, you know, sportsmen. But I think, you know, Pembrokeshire, I think it was a shame when the they the the Pembrokeshire rugby leagues went and they started to travel and sometimes they have to go away because the props were working so they have uncontested scrums. Um, I, I think we we lost something there, but um, no, I think Pembrokeshire is, it's very important. Sorry. I think sport to Pembrokeshire is, is very, very important. Um, and, you know, and there's been some fabulous sports people that have been produced by, you know, male and female from the County. and continues to be the case as we
2: find out on this show, we, we, we've we spoken to
5: Commonwealth game
2: hopefuls and people looking to go to to the Olympic games. That, that spirit stays, doesn't it? You obviously shared a rugby pitch with British lion, Peter Morgan, And you shared a a cricket dressing room with our very own Bill Kahn. Do you have any memories of batting alongside Bill, Steve?
5: No, he he was never in long enough to be quite honest. So it was, uh, it was always. Steve, that's
1: the worst thing you can say. These days, these days, don't realise how good I was. (laughs)
5: <laughs> so it was very it was always very brief i used to mainly see the back of him as he was walking off dragging his belt no no it, you know I, as it was then is that um, you know i was i think i was probably 17 16 17 yeah. so i was sort of playing in the second team and the occasional game for the first whereas was bill was very much a stalwart to the first team you know so um, keep no, digging I, I, steve yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you made fraser yeah. watson's night i can tell you with, with that <laughs> comment I can, I can see the, i can see the smile on your face and, I,
1: then can I just say, I was the number one batsman in Pembroke Dock without any doubt at all. So it doesn't matter what Fraser It, it reminds He's me a very that, good fan so Ryan says. Can I ask... Unless Harrison Allen
3: final selection came around, though. it? <laughs> <story. laughs> <So laughs> you, you never get near a Harrison Allen you, final. You were number one team. unless they had a Harrison Allen final team to mm. pick. I've got that, yeah. that memory of that great Brian Clough
2: quote. So I wouldn't say I'm the best manager of all time, but being would be in the top one. <laughs> That's right. You're no, in the top one in Pembroke Dock. Can I ask Steve a question about the police? Of course. Steve,
1: you, you're a living example of how um, someone can make a career after sort of adversity. Would you be happy to tell us a bit about how you started to uh, become a policeman, or is that beyond your uh, no. no, no. Well,
5: you know, my mum my, uh, my, my and dad had a pub in Pembroke Dock, the Caledonia Inn, which, which unfortunately, like a lot of the local pubs, has closed now. Um, I was working then, you know, on on the hay, uh, on the potatoes, some down marine port services, Jenkins and Davis, Silcox, and us, you know, just uh, most of it was to get beer tokens for the weekend. To be quite honest, um, but I came to a point there where I realised, you know, I needed to do something which was going to be the far more of a career path. There. Both of my brothers had been have been PTIs in the Royal Marines, so it was a choice of, you know, do I follow those into the into the Marine Commandos? Um, but my, you know, one of my best mates I said then was Bill Horn. Bill was a was a, a uniformed sergeant at Habford West. Um, and then one night we were we had been playing at Pembroke, and um, I was walking home a bit worse for wear, and uh, decided to, I took a liking to the the Belichia Beacon on the Zebra Crossing. Decided to help <laughs> myself to it. To find now I, I was being helped down by a, a local member of the Constabulary. Marched off to the police station in Pembroke Dock where my mother was summoned and uh, I had a real telling off from the then Chief Inspector. Um, I went to shake his hand and he said, no, he said, I won't shake your hand. He says, I'll probably see you again at some stage. I went out, my, my mother was absolutely incandescent, but I, it, to me it was like a eureka moment. And it was that moment I thought, I'm going to be a police officer, uh, which, which I eventually did. And And probably the funny part of the story, Bill, was... When I was a <laughs> detective chief superintendent um, in, in Dover Police, I went to a to do a presentation at a bowls night in Pembroke Dock, and the very same retired chief inspector was there. And I went over and, and offered him my hand, and he shook my hand. And I said, "Last time I did that, you you refused to take it." And I told him the story, and he and he was quite embarrassed. And I said, "No, no, no, no! Don't be embarrassed. It's because of you that I'm here today." Retired, and, it. <laughs> and that's the story, Bill. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. It's... <laughs>
3: Going back to the drama briefly, speaking of the pubs, uh, one of the fascinating things of the drama is the way it portrayed yourself as almost stumbling across um, the John Cooper's darts career and exploits, if you like, and how that also then became pretty much a major part of you of you nailing him uh, eventually. How, in reality, how deep did you have to delve into his local darts playing to, before you got the bullseye link and then the image that you ultimately wanted?
5: Yeah, well, it, the I mean, the... the um... We'd known for some time the, the the fact that he was a darts player. We knew, well, we knew every, that. that was every Tom Dick and Harry has claimed to have either played against him or with <laughs> him in darts this weekend. Every, everybody now has got a story of how they knew him. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, he must have been the best social life ever since. Uh, yeah. we, before we convicted him, nobody, nobody knew him, but afterwards everybody knew. Him. Um, but no, we we knew that he was um, he was a darts player. He played county darts. Um, we knew quite early on he'd been on bullseye. But the actual the show was screened the following year uh, to, to the actual Dixon's murder. What we didn't know was the fact it was actually recorded three weeks before um and, and obviously hence you've seen the artist's impression and, and that you know unbelievable yeah. uh, likeness but the 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 part of the of the drama where I go into the to a pub it was actually the railway inn in Johnston, which was his local and it was st florence we'd been playing johnson i was actually managing st florence team at that stage the football team and uh, we did we walked into the to the pub and uh, i ordered a pint around and there's his picture on the on the wall as large as life you know sitting in the middle of the right. dark yeah. Wow! And, there's and, an uh, absolutely yeah. 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 everything you know if you've seen the, the the documentary which i thought was done very well it parallels some of the armor with, with the true events everything you Everything you see happened, and more. I mean, it was six years of an investigation, and uh, there was lots of other twists and turns, which you know they couldn't really show in the, uh, in the in the drama. That must have been important to you, though, Steve, that that it did sort of stick true
2: to actually what happened, and that must have been quite important because obviously what you're watching on the television is is something you've dedicated so much of your professional life to. Um, was that important to you that it did maintain those, those accurate bits, and, and was that your input that helped with that?
5: Absolutely. I mean, I call them red lines. So I spent a lot of time with the writer Nick Stevens um, before we. You know, we had some. Sometimes we had some quite challenging conversations because obviously he's a writer and he wants to 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 bring drama into it. But I I would only commit to 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 assisting, and being part of the sort of uh, consultant part of it if we stuck by those red lines. And that was Mm -hmm. no sensationalising. That nothing to do with my relationship with the families and the victims. Um, and that they needed to stick close to the investigation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and certainly, you know, they, I, I think they achieved that. And what struck me most is, as I said before, and with the actors, Luke Evans, uh, you know, Keith Allen, all of them, is how professional, how, how they, they understood it, they got it, they realised. Yeah. Because some of them, it was the first time they'd actually played real crime, true, true crime. And a few times, I can promise you, on the filming of it, is, you know, emotions took over. You know, certainly in the court scene, when you see the the, t- the two uh, young victims mm-hmm. giving evidence about how they were attacked in the field, a couple of times they had to stop it because a couple of the actual camera crew were in tears. You know, and that was the impact it had yeah. on But yeah. they, they were very true to the word and they stuck, stuck to it, which for me was was very important.
4: Mm-hmm. Steve, one. how thankful are you for the uh, forensic side of it? Obviously, they didn't have that years ago. Uh, one of the detectives I was quite friendly with uh, who was leading the case was Don Evans from Halford West.
1: Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I,
4: I know he was bitterly uh, frustrated, and he obviously seen the scenes of uh, the individuals that lost their lives. So forensic uh, took a big part um, for you to get the, the shorts and the gun and to actually get the the blood on there. That was a eureka moment for you when you I, I saw the series where you were driving along and uh, the woman rang you up. Was it Was it Gollum, her name was? Um, Is it Ange- Angela Gallop. Yeah, that's right. She, she rang you up. And, and Gollum's you in were Lord told, of the Rings. Yeah, you, you, yeah, you were told uh, that particular moment must have been a eureka moment to hear that you actually had something to pin it on.
5: Yeah, it's a great question, Gordon, and, and um, as you saw it, is that how it happened? I was actually in the car coming back from Bridgend, from South Wales Police Headquarters, and I had the call and she said, Steve, um, are you driving? Yes. Um, you best pull over. No, you're OK, I'm on hands-free. No, no, Steve, I think you need to pull over. And when she said that, I sort of went cold because I thought, this, there's something she's going to say important. It's either, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's the end of it or or we've got something. And and as she said it, yes, you know, she gave me the DNA one. And the response was, yeah, Angela, I love you. (laughs) um, And and to go back to what you're saying, and and I think it it, it started with a question at the beginning about the importance of the team and and how that that Ottawa team, you know, I handpicked them. None of them had been involved in the previous investigations because I wanted a fresh view. Um, I had a small team to start because I wanted people who would pay attention to detail But I I knew on that first day that if we were going to be successful, it was going to be through forensic. And that evidence is always there. You've just got to find it. And I need to make sure that we maintain the integrity of the exhibits. And I have to pay tribute to the original senior investigating officers, the the Don Evans, the the, the Dave Davis, Aldwyn Jones, Clive Jones. Um, They didn't have the benefit of DNA science that I did. But what no, they did no. do is they had the foresight to retain the material, which gave mm. me the opportunity to bring modern day science, but also modern day detective techniques. So, so yeah, absolutely right, Gordon.
2: Steve, yeah. um, I think we'll we'll finish on a sporting question. Um, and I think it should be, out of all, all your sporting memories from your, your days in Pembrokeshire, what, what
5: would be number one for you, apart from batting with Bill Kahn? Um, probably. I I mean, there's... There's, there's lots of them you know, with, 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 with Florence who won Cups and with you know different things like that. I think probably my, my, um, my debut for Quinn's first team against Pembroke, mm. because you know it was absolutely it was down at the Quinn's. The, the place was absolutely bouncing. you know the virtue of the, you know, the two towns had turned out. Um, the, the, the week before Quinns had played Pembroke in, uh, in a league game, and this was a cup game. And Andy Charlotte and and Bundock were were sent off for fighting. So it was um, it was quite it was quite warm as you can as you can imagine. And as a as a, as a young fresh faced man coming onto the to the field, it was a baptism of fire. But as it was, it went very well for me that day, and um, I got some good 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 sort of write ups in relation to my contribution. And uh, but I think for me, it's because it was uh, something that's always stuck in my mind. So that probably is one of the you know perhaps the most not successful ones. I had. You know, with coming back to Cheshire, you know, we won leagues and won cups. But I think in Pembrokeshire, that's one that always will stay with me. Thanks. Yeah, Steve,
4: yeah. thankfully you had Lenny Schurfield and Ozzie uh, Boswell on your side. When I played, I had them kicking me, mate. So
1: you were a lucky fella. Ben, can I just finish with one light-hearted thing? You say they stepped closely to the script and, and had everything correct. Have you still got that very nice hip flask that you were drinking out of
5: when you were walking along, do you know what I have? If, if you actually look at it, as every time I'm speaking to a witness, I've got a pint in my hand, though, though, though I'm a Guinness drinker, and and then I'm sitting at home with a bottle of wine. I do like my red wine, and then I turn up with a hip flask, which I can promise you Because that, that's probably the only bit that wasn't uh, wasn't accurate. I think people well, probably no, thought I was an uh, alcoholic. One
3: major issue, I'm afraid, mate. They depicted you on the sideline watching a county game in and I live down the road from (laughs) Solva. There's no one who's ever held a county game. Well, oh, listen,
2: that pitch. Steve. It's an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank you ever so much for for joining us on Pure West Sport yeah. um, this evening. I think I speak for everyone in the county yeah. when I, when I say thank you for your service and, and what you did with Operation Osprey. Uh, it, it's been it's yeah,
5: been yeah. my pleasure, and it's it's um, I must say out of all the interviews I've had over the last week, it's it is nice to have something different and something you can you can smile about in what was obviously a very very serious instance. So so thanks, guys. It's been my pleasure. Great job, you pleasure guys. to okay, talk
1: stay. to you. Take
2: care, buddy. Excellent Thanks. stuff. You'll be able to watch that interview with Steve. It will stay on the Pure West Radio Facebook page, so you'll be able to go back and and watch that once the show is finished. It's just gone quarter to nine. What a fantastic half hour that was with Steve Wilkins yeah. right here on Pure West Radio.
0: Enjoy learning something new. Want to learn Welsh? Shimai. Should it?
2: Do we in
4: coffee does come Learning online is easier than you think.
0: You can learn Welsh in your garden.
3: Just sign up. Visit learnwelsh.com for full details.
1: Welcome to the VC Gallery Bridge Street Haverford West, a gallery that belongs to the community. You may have seen us on Bridge Street while out and about in town. On your first visit to the gallery, you'll find that instead of being devoted to the metropolitan art scene, we're devoted to you and your community.
5: If you miss it, catch up on the podcast at purewestradio.com. The Valero Community Update.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Pembrokeshire Vision Arts Wales, a brand new creative hub in Haverford West, playing host to a youth and amateur theatre company, a show-stopping choir and a multitude of masterclasses from Broadway and West End talent calling all actors, talking singers, dancers and those who want to bring the West End to Wales. Vision Arts has the spotlight.
1: He'll be on the dinner circuit, he'll be speaking at dinners. Mm. I mean, cl- clubs will want him up where he is now. He'd be welcome back here. But they, you know, corporate bodies will want him talking, You know, they'll want him mm. saying about the thing. Mm. He, he's, he's got a, a, a sort of quite a rich career ahead in that line.
2: Yeah, he's yeah. What
1: what,
4: what impressed theory me, Ben, so much about him was that he hasn't forgotten his roots whatsoever. No. No. He, he, you know, he spoke quite openly about his youth. Uh, you know, being a wild uh, guy around Pembroke Dock, and then uh, you know he's had a brilliant police career. Uh, fantastic guy. I, I wish him all the best.
3: And interesting yeah. that he was able to use sport as a release, like he said. Yeah. Have, you could have thought a lesser man would have had that weight. You know, on his shoulders, it can really yeah. affect you in all forms of life, and so it was good, that he was able to play and perform as normal, really yeah, he,
1: he, al- he always had a, a very nice character, the other thing about him now, his work is um, he runs the operations for a Japanese uh, cigarette company, JTI, to try and stop uh, cigarettes being smuggled in and out of the country, and he's in charge of the operations of the whole of Europe North and South America, all the sort of Middle East and uh, Japan as well so he's still in a big job he's going to finish that now because he wants to go fishing but uh, he's
2: a <laughs> he's, he's, a, a he's in that nice yeah. <laughs> well listen um let, let's move on and I say that video will stay on the Facebook page so you, you'll be able to watch that and and do leave your comments um Fraser Jane Ludlow left her role as manager of the Wales women's football team today it was announced at lunchtime it's by mutual consent a job she's held since 2014 I was quite surprised when this news broke at lunchtime today. What, what did you make of it?
3: No dressing up, Ben. It's a devastating blow for Welsh women's football. Um, Jane Ludlow came in. She raised the profile for the women's game in Wales. She addressed the issue. She was forthright. She was outspoken. Don't get me wrong, but she addressed a lot of issues surrounding the professionalism or lack of it with women's football and the lack of resources compared to other nations. She unified the group. She elevated their playing levels. That benefited us. We, we all followed closely, the likes of Anhara James, Nadia Lawrence. We saw them raise their games and she turned Wales from also runs in qualification campaigns mm. to competing with the best. But I will say, Ben, I think she leaves, on the one hand, she leaves a tremendous legacy, but she leaves a job unfulfilled because the dream was a first-ever major championship qualification. Mm. Got so close to the World Cup in 2018, got so close to the what is now Euro 2021. And I think that will... I think that would always bug her because yeah. cause she is, you know, it, it was something she was really committed to, to achieving, you know, and it was almost a holy grail for Welsh women's football and they didn't quite get there. So for all the great work she's done, and I've got no doubt she'll be back in employment very soon, she's already got a role as a FIFA technical advisor and she's already declared herself open to other managerial jobs. I think that is the, perhaps the one stain in what is otherwise yeah. a great legacy.
2: Yeah, surprising mm. news. Gordon, she put Welsh women's football on the map, really, didn't she?
4: Oh, she, she definitely did, and she? Uh, uh, Fraser's described it perfectly. But um, are we are we saying then, are we speculating, Fraser and the boys, that she may be a uh, manager of England, as Phil Neville has well, left today? Uh, the the well? English
3: va- the English vacancy has already soared and she's actually said in the last year she won't go there and be the interim That's coach. fair enough. I think That's the main speculation enough. now was team around GB. the Great Britain team for the Olympics if, mm. if the Olympics does go ahead on time. you think she'd be a, a very good candidate now with Phil Neville up the picture. The, the other thing,
1: surely, though, is why is she gone?
3: I think mm. the the reality is, bail down when your stock has risen, she is now going to be available to, to Premier League clubs and, and, and the pay. And the day-to-day working is much better than it is in the FAW. That mm. That is probably the sad situation. That's the truth
1: of it, you know? yeah.
3: I, she has voiced frustrations before at the lack of resources that we've just touched on of, of Welsh women's football. She she I think she was the first to, to bring in an air of professionalism and to point out, hang on, the youth teams are getting this and we're a senior team, we're not even getting it, that sort of thing. And I imagine it's a combination of frustration and, and the realisation there's better paid opportunities out mm. there.
2: Mm.
3: It's sad, but it is the reality.
2: Well, listen, we'll return to this topic next week because I think we're going to to talk to Joe Price about this and we might see where where next for the women's game in Wales because it was definitely making progress under Jane Ludlow and it's vital, I think. Yeah, it's vital that's maintained so that the next appointment will be key. (laughs) Uh, But let's finish the show um, on a bit of a TV theme, I think, because obviously we we spoke to Steve and and the Pembrokeshire murders was, was on the telly last week, but we thought we'd do it with a sporting twist and talk about sporting documentaries that have caught our eye over the year over the years and some of our favorites so let's go to let's go to bill first and i'll, I'll tell you my one just to start the ball rolling and uh, the very first earliest sporting documentary i can really remember watching early 90s was the impossible job and it featured graham taylor and and his time as england manager yeah. as england tried to qualify mm-hmm. for the 1994 world cup and if you wanted to see the stresses of a football manager doing that job, it played out. And I think Graham Taylor would go on to say he, he probably had regrets about letting the cameras have the access that it did. But it was probably the first time cameras went into the dressing room in that way. So I, I probably put that as quite an important one that, that started that sort of documentary going. What about you, Bill?
1: Well, I was a bit taken aback today in a conversation with Fraser about this very matter. But he's talking about, have you seen this on is it Britbox Box or Netflix or some some of rubbish? <laughs> Amazon Netflix. Prime. Amazon Prime. I don't know what he's talking what about. Bubble Bill. <laughs> yeah, I, so yeah, but strange thing is I'm a bit worried because I think we agreed that despite my lack of knowledge, really the only one that's captivated me, and I've seen it in the last three weeks, was the yeah. nineteen ninety-seven Lions. Because anything with the Lions is epic. That's a great chat. An enormous uh Think to have at the British Lions, anyone who's played there is held in huge regard, quite rightly, and watching them play South Africa. And uh, I'm not a great fan of Jeremy Gascott, but when he dropped that goal at the end of the game, when they'd come back to 15 all, I actually cheered for the first time in my life without swearing <laughs> at him, Jeremy Gascott. So that, that yes. whole series, the menace in those South African <laughs> players, the headbangers. Yeah, and, went, and you know the British ones weren't far behind and look how young they were people like Martin Johnson he looked about 17 he didn't years me. of age yeah. and, and, that's and a... you look at that
2: far and away the best for me great shout Gordon Thomas let's have yours
1: uh,
4: Fraser will know what it is too good to go down Manchester United in 1974 uh, oh. okay. relegated. Oh. Tommy, Tommy Doherty took Doherty. over as manager of uh, United in 72 took over too for Franco Farrell do. Um that was when Best, Lauren, Charlton were still mm-hmm. uh, floating about. Um, uh, United got relegated in 74, uh, bounced back in 75, and Best, Lauren, Charlton had gone by this time. But uh, fair play to Doherty, he got United together. They beat Liverpool, who went on to win the European Cup in 1977. They beat them in the FA Cup final 2-1 at Wembley, and all United fans were singing his praises, hoping that we were going to win the Division One title pretty soon under him. But lo and behold, he'd been having an affair with the physio's yes. uh, wife, and uh, he had the sack. Uh, uh, you know, which, that's uh, one I'd
2: not heard of. Too good to be, too, too good yeah, to go he down. Ha- he had yeah, the sack yeah i'll I'll make a note of that one and fraser from you
3: i actually tweeted um last week that the living with the lions 97 which bill alluded to was was stands alone as the great fly in the wall documentary it was actually the game had gone professional then but it's always seen as the last amateur tour and and there was no doctoring of the videos It, it was no holds barred and it was the last of its kind you fast forward eight years and you had this absolutely ridiculous pr driven rubbish produced when they went to new zealand When like woodward went there and Alistair Campbell actually went as his, his media officer stroke spin doctor and it, it was an awful DVD and it gave yes. no insight. But the closest I've seen to Living the Line since, actually very recently, The Edge, the Australian cricket team. Very Ironically, what we've been talking about tonight, how they dealt with the aftermath mm. Of, mm. of sandpaper gate and so on. But also another one which stands out for me, I'm sorry, Bill, this is a Netflix reference again, was no, a, the, the Last Dance. You know, I think that kind yeah, of so many in out. lockdown. And the thing about that I knew knew very little about Michael Jordan or basketball before that. I ended it captivated. You know, when you've got a sport that's not, don't get me wrong greatly popular in America, not necessarily greatly worldwide, and yet you have everyone captivated, that just shows the power of it. And the insight into the mindset of Jordan was just brilliant you know just just brilliant it's we talk about it all night but so that that's certainly those two i've mentioned they're the closest i've seen since living with the lions in 97
2: well leave us your comments on the facebook page if you want to suggest any more because i'm always up for some watching of any sport documentary and, and fly on the wall or or behind the scenes anything like that's good I actually build one more from netflix and it's a very recent one and maybe we'll have a whip round and get you a subscription uh, for your christmas present this year <laughs> <Yeah. but> sunderland <laughs> till i die on netflix is very good it follows sunderland league oh. one and the championship and it's just authentic phrase it's an authentic documentary it, it is and you see the passion of the city or yeah. the pain
3: they go through <laughs>
2: yeah. I, I, I really enjoyed that it's, I think it's like 10 episodes per series and actually it, you felt like you were getting to understand what it's like to yeah. be behind the scenes at a lower league football club so uh, there's a few recommendations there you boys want to find a good book or two to have a <laughs> Charlie. There are so many great autobiographies going around at the moment. Well, tell you what, Bill, you might just have suggested a topic for next week's show mm. there, Sporting mm. Autobiographies. We'll make a note of that. Uh, listen, it's been an absolutely fantastic show. Uh, despite technology problems, the show must go on. And tonight, there's no doubt it belonged to Steve Wilkins. That, that video will stay on the Facebook page. I think we'll live long in the memory that interview and the opportunity to talk to him. I hope that came across both on the Facebook page and on the air on Pure West Radio because it was an absolute (sighs) pleasure to talk to him. Uh, Bill, thank you for for filling in whilst I was having modem problems. I'll be on to my internet service provider tomorrow morning to find out whether that can be fixed. Uh, Fraser and Gordon, pleasure to see you as always. We'll be back again next Monday. It's the Red Thread with Tim Cooper next. Gents, enjoyed your company. Enjoy the rest of Monday evening with Pure West Radio.
1: For Pembrokeshire, from Pembrokeshire, this is Pure West Radio.
2: Unlike some other stations, we broadcast from
3: Pembrokeshire to Pembrokeshire. This is Pure West Radio.
2: This is The Red Thread with Tim Cooper. Where every